everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Joe from Archery World. Henry from Archery World as well. And uh, today we're going to talk about releases, specifically target releases. And we're going to, there is no possible way to cover every single thing that's out there. But we're going to talk about uh, some of the, our favorite releases that are on the market, uh, hinge, button, hinge and buttons. And we're going to kind of break it down by uh, manufacturers. So let's start off by talking about Stan. I'm going to talk about Stan because ergonomically they're one of my favorite releases. Um, I have been shooting Stan for about three or four years now, um, and I had shot Stan Slowski for 15 or 15 or so years ago before they changed their name and everything uh, went through um, the business of how they became Stan. So I shoot the heavy metal blackjack. It's a hinge release. It has a, I prefer a six thousandths click hook on it and there's is a click hook so the click is built into the actual hook that really hooks to the string loop and um, it does not have a lot of room to fall off the shelf and i've been shooting the same six thousandths for about three years now so it's smoothed out so it's probably closer to a four thousandths uh, i don't shoot mine as hot as henry does and it does sometimes surprise me and it shoots right past the click if I'm really aggressive, which is kind of what I need and like anyway. But when I'm not being aggressive, it puts me on the edge of the click and then I know I'm getting ready to shoot and I can continue to pull and focus on that. So let's break it down into the different styles of hinges first. So there's the clicks that you can get and then there's a the smooth. Henry, you shoot a click, right? That's correct. And the reason you shoot a click is? For me, I, so I shoot my back tension different than what people are supposed to shoot it. I, I shoot mine like a relaxed trigger, which is part of the reason why I, I shoot it so fast or, or, or light, as you would, you would call it, so to speak. Um, before, I, I was kind of taught to roll through it and shoot it the kind of the proper way. Um, and... I just kind of morphed it into my own direction. It, it's kind of how I felt like the most accurate way to shoot a hinge without having the inconsistencies and, and things like that. So, And, well, I shoot a, a click because when I'm shooting outdoors, it's hard for me to tell how much I'm pulling sometimes because I just don't get to shoot enough. So I like the click to say, hey, you're on the edge. So if you keep doing what you're doing, something's going to happen. Right. And that's what I like about it. Now, I can shoot a smooth release on flat ground and, and get it to execute pretty consistently and shoot about the same score. But when I'm outdoors and I'm shooting up and downhill shots a lot, um, because I don't do it as a professional, as a profession, it sometimes surprises me when I'm not really ready and that's my fault I get it but the the click is essential to me to perform the best uh, is that what you feel like outdoors as well or is it just something that you could shoot a smooth drop-off hinge the same oh I can't shoot a smooth because of my how hot my stuff is set I need that click because typically I'm hitting the click as soon as I hit full draw so it's, I'm not even aimed on the target 90% of the time when my release clicks. It's it's typically as soon as I hit peak draw weight or draw length, and I'm kind of getting settled into anchor, it'll click. So then usually I know I need to get heavier on my index finger, get aimed, and then as I start kind of 
relax and that's when it typically will fire for me. So let's tear this apart a little bit. So we're talking about clicks and, and smooth hinges. So what we're talking about is the scent, the back tension releases, pure back tensions, you call them hinge releases uh, as a nickname. They work off of a sear in uh, almost all cases. And what happens is basically two pieces of metal and they slide apart. So one looks like a half moon of some type or uh, design. And there's another piece similar to a rifle trigger and it slides off the back and the more uh, angle changes, it gets closer to the edge and it eventually falls off. And on the clicks, at the edge of that, where it would fall off, in every manufacturer they do it different, but they machine different ledges on there so it can drop onto that ledge prior to falling off the, the ledge. And so we're talking about we prefer to shoot the click at different um, depths because it allows us to feel that we're on the edge and then kind of hyper focus on that aim and pull. Uh, what click do you shoot? Um, so it's the it, it's the one that comes with the true balls, but you can either get a fast or a slow click, and I've got the fast click in all my releases. I would attest to that because I've shot his release, and you can't hardly get it back. I've shot it two or three times trying to draw it back, so you got to do it at three or four yards if you're ever going to borrow his release or you're going to shoot the wall. <laughs> I, I would say that theirs is probably close to a six thousandths, um, but I don't know that they technically have it rated as far as like a six or eight or whatever. It's just they machine a fast and a slow and and some people like the fast and some people like the slow and the slow i can't ever feel like i can get it to go off because i can't get it set hot enough and the the fast i can get set up perfect for me well and that's how i am now with the stands they make a six and a ten and a nothing you know um and i shot the nothing for the first few months i shot it then i got a ten thousands uh click hook and I put that on there and it seemed a little fast and I got used to it. I went ahead when I was at Reading about four years ago, I guess, I bought a six thousandths. I took it back home. I didn't obviously change it while I was at Reading. I took it back home, I put it in, and I never even heard it or felt it click for like the first three weeks. All I felt like was something was broke on it because I was pulling so, uh, like my normal 10, and I was pulling right past the click, so I couldn't even get it to click. Um, then over a little time, I deepened up um, my not my grip but I deepened up my wrist angle and and made it so that I could get into it and it felt like it clicked and and now I, I can't shoot a 10 for the same reason it feels like it just forever is is going to take to go off so uh, so that's kind of what we're, we're discussing some people have to shoot a smooth because the click causes target panic that um, it doesn't for me it doesn't cause me to flinch or jerk or anything when i'm expecting it to drop in there i want to know when it's going to be on the ledge and i want to know it's going to um, not control when it's going to shoot i just want to know when it's close to the edge so i can not do something as a mistake or i can hyper focus and kind of pull through right um, when you shoot uh, a smooth sear it's a complete dedication to that so I find a lot of people in the professional world, and you would know this more than me because you shoot with all of them, how many percentage-wise that shoot hinges shoot a click versus a smooth when they're, on, when they're in their competition at the serious, the highest levels? I would say it's probably 95% or more. Shoot a click. Shoot a click. All right, and so that should tell you something. They want to know also. It's not that they probably couldn't pick up a smooth one and shoot it well. It's just that they have trained themselves to know 
how close to the edge it is. And just like you said, when you reach your peak draw and you come to your anchor, it's an automatic thing. It clicks, you know, and you start pulling, you aim, and you shoot your shot. Right. For me, because of how my release is set up, it's more of a safety feature. I think other people, you know, I, I've not met very many people that have a release set the same as mine or even remotely close. Um, you know, and so it just... For me, mine's primarily just to let me know that I'm not going to fire at three quarters of a draw. You know, three quarters of the way back, I'm not going to cut one loose. Um, and it doesn't bother me if it clicks mid-draw. It just lets me know that I'm get, getting relaxed on how I'm pulling back and I need to tighten up again. Right. Well, and that's the nice thing about those uh, two. So if... Um what you described earlier is you shoot kind of that relaxed index finger so you drop back with a you got to be careful how you say this because you're not cocking your wrist and twisting your wrist or anything you just draw yours back with enough index pressure that it won't let let it get to the click so you're not trying to change your wrist angle so much as it's just an elbow position and a back tension and everything too i pretty much rely on my index finger to do everything so i i can shoot my releases with one finger right from start to finish. So I'm pretty much pulling my bow back with my index. I'm, I'm doing everything, relaxing with my index. My, my index is pretty much what controls 100% of my shot from the draw all the way back. Well, and when you shoot a back tension, you have to use that. You have to draw back heavy on your index and your ring finger. If it's a three finger release, your middle finger and your ring finger and if it's a four finger, your pinky would have to be really relaxed. So you are, uh, when you're in, during a draw cycle, you have to have almost 95% of the tension on your index finger to begin with. Now, what I do is what a lot of people do as well is I even out the pressure across the board. And that's how I have mine set is when I draw it back, I've got that heavy index finger pressure and there's usually thumb buttons on there to have additional um pressure added to that side of the release of uh, on the same side as your index finger so it helps that angle stay really engaged and the hook stay engaged i even out the pressure and when i even out the pressure when it's, i come to anchor uh that's when i get my click and at that point i have been experimenting with uh loosening my index finger and doing that relaxed finger shot that surprises me a lot. Um, it, it, I shoot past my click a lot when I'm doing that because it's uh, I've not got the muscle memory yet. I don't shoot it necessarily any worse. It surprises me more. So, but I have found more consistency still as far as my hold based on the continual, not backward motion. It's more of a continual pressure um, that I have come up with. Um, and it is a hybrid of like what you're talking about it relaxing your index finger to some point and then pulling back with your back elbow um, not straight back but at a, a slight pivot because it's in your shoulder socket it's where it's connected so it, you can feel it but when you're doing it right no one can see it so if if you're watching Henry in slow motion you can't see him move his index finger you're watching me in slow motion you can't watch, see me move my elbow or but i can feel that tension building in my back and i can feel my elbow moving in my mind and it causes that shot to happen and i assume you're the same way you can feel that index finger relaxing although no one can physically see it happening you can feel it happening yeah i mean i just don't physically pay attention to that um you know i'm not i'm not focused on my index because i've gotten target panic from doing it that way so I just kind of let things happen second nature and 
just focus on other things versus relax my index because I already know how to shoot the shot. So right. I just kind of let that happen and kind of go elsewhere with my mind versus, right. okay, I got to relax my index and get it to go or I got to pull in this and that. So, well, and that's that's um, the reason I bring that up is because new hand shooters, you have to tell them something that they can physically do, but then when you can see them doing it, they're doing it too much. Uh, so it's a, it's very minimal. It's almost like you think about it and you actually cause that effect to happen, just like you're talking about. And in your case, not thinking about it causes it to happen, but you just can't see the movement. Right. To everyone else, you look rock solid. Now you may see the pin floating around downrange and everything that you need, but your tension is consistent and that's key. It's We've talked about this before. It's not, it is back tension, but it's not an aggressive back tension that causes you to pull off target or off a center line or anything else. And yours, I know you stay really heavy tension throughout your shot process. You just are slowly relaxing your index finger. Right. And I do kind of the same thing. I try to stay as heavy tension as I can and then I've just relaxed my index finger till I get to the click and then I just let it happen so I can't describe if it's me pulling back more or if it's me relaxing my index finger more but when I focus on relaxing my index finger man it scares me to death sometimes um, the reason we're talking about this is because as we get into these releases it'll be important to understand the different styles that are out there and, and this is more of an overview of the different companies that are out there and the styles that you could try if you're interested in shooting back tension like I said, I shoot the stand, and it's called the Morex, and the specific one I shoot is called the Blackjack Heavy Metal, and the heavy metal just means it's made of brass. Um, I like the feel of that in my hand. I like the, the flow that it causes when I release, and the Blackjack, just by name as a size, uh, it's a medium, so they have different versions of that in different sizes. So in a large, that's called a jet black. So it's the exact same release, except for the large is called a jet black and the medium is called a blackjack and the, the finger holes get a little bit bigger. Those are, that's a three finger. The neat thing about Stan to me is they have this safety clip uh, that you can put in there. It's a safety pin that you can put in there. It's an anti-dry fire device so that you can, in your hotel room and if you or in your house, you can screw that in and hook onto your D-loop and you can draw that shot back and it will click, but it won't shoot. It stops the sear from opening up, but it would have allowed you to feel when it would have shot. And I don't use it very often, but when I first got it, I experimented with it a lot. And it's a pretty cool little thing that they have um, that I'm not sure anyone else has that little pin. Uh, that's good and bad because some people can freak out and shoot the shot and let it go. I've heard of that happening. But other times, a lot of people in the hotel room, they want to kind of warm up their back. They want to kind of feel that draw and when it's going to click. It allows them to kind of get that under with their per, true bow in a spot where they wouldn't normally be able to shoot. They've got uh, two fingers, three fingers. They've got straight. They have four fingers and a couple of different versions of that, all in their Morex series. So they ergonomically, they fit my hand probably the best out of anything that I've shot in the last decade. So I've kind of migrated to that. Um, in the, so that kind of rounds out the, the, sty the styles of, of theirs. Henry, you shoot what release right now? I'm shooting the Trueball Fulcrum Flex in the three finger. Well, a very popular release too. Yep. Uh, so... And you like you said the three finger, the yeah. 
And the nice thing about the Fulcrum Flexes is they have options on that without having to buy a different release. So they have a uh, three and a four finger configuration. And they have, um, is that the one? That's not the one where you can adjust the head forward or backwards. Yeah. Or so, it, yeah, it is. Yeah, it so is. You, can, you can adjust the head in multiple positions. Um, and that just kind of changes the leverage point. And then outside of that, you can adjust your third finger. You can make it tighter if you like it kind of closed up a little bit more. You can open it up if you kind of like your hand relaxed a little bit more. And then same when you go to that four finger. And then they offer like a, a large and a medium. And then I think they've even got like a mini for like little kids. Um, I've got both the large and the medium. Uh, I primarily shoot the medium. Uh, it's pretty small but it kind of forces me to keep my hand in the same spot. The large feels a lot more comfortable to me, but I've noticed I kind of don't get my hand in the same spot because I don't have any kind of reference points where with that medium, I can kind of hit, hit the head of the release in the same knuckle every time. And then I kind of know that I'm in that same, same spot. So it's kind of just becomes a second nature deal uh, more so than a comfort thing for me. It's the same way with me shooting that black jacket because it's a medium. If I, I have shot the large and it feels like I kind of swim in the, the grooves of that so I can't stay as consistent. And I can shoot them and get away with it. And what you'll find is, is a lot of pro shops will carry the medium and the large. And um, they will sell more larges than anything. But I would kind of almost say that most people unless you're a big fingered dude, most people, or, or lady, um, most people will end up shooting the medium better if they give it a chance, but they get the large by default because it's already out there, it's on the shelf, and it's ready to try, and they don't, you know, the bigger one will fit. Well, a lot of times it's more comfortable. Like, for me, the larges are way more comfortable, right? Because I got pretty, pretty big hands, but the medium just kind of gives me that extra reference point because it is smaller, but comfort-wise, comfort I'd much rather be in a large. So the so when you're trying them out, if they have a medium and a large, if you're between those two, try them for a minute and see which one you actually can see shoot and repeat more often and, and use to your advantage, not the one that just feels comfortable when you take it out of the box and hold it in your hand. Put it on a bow or uh, some kind of um, test fire bow or something that the shops have so that you can see if it's going to fit you the way that you want it. I have had a lot of large and I've shot them well, but I've kind of adapted to the medium and I don't know if it's for the same reason because the larges feel more comfortable, but I shoot the mediums better. Right. So... Moving to true ball for hinges, uh, the Fulcrum Flex is a brass release. It's got the three and four finger um, uh, attachment. It's got the uh, radial adjustment for the hook so that you can change the leverage point on it as well. It's still got the, uh, the thumb, we call it a safety button, but it's not safety. It, it's not a true safety. It's just an extra hook to put your thumb on when you're drawing it back. Yeah, just a thumb peg that doesn't have any thing to do with, you know, as far as it firing or not firing type yeah, of thing. It just helps you get it back. So a lot of people I uh, see when they're new trying it, they're afraid to let go of that thumb button so or that thumb peg. So when you're drawing, you should have your thumb on that peg most often. 
And when you go to back to your anchor, the first thing that you should do is you should let that thumb peg go and let that release stretch out in your hand and let it stretch your knuckles a little bit straight so that uh, you're just curling your fingers around the release so that you're not bending your fist knuckles. Um, because that over time and over hours of shooting indoors or outdoors, it's going to change as you get tired anyway and kind of drag them straight. Jesse uh, Broadwater years ago gave a, a real good video tutorial uh, about that, how he kind of feels like he's hanging off of a monkey bar, and it, he's really describing how those knuckles should be straight except for where it's hooked onto the release. Um, how do you shoot yours? Do you keep uh, more tension on it, or is it similar to what Jesse described? Kind of, kind of like Jesse. So I'll run them kind of in that that first set of full on knuckles. You know, kind of. I feel like that's the flattest spot in your hand, and then, uh, you know, just try to keep it in that same spot throughout the day, even as as you start getting tired and stuff. And I feel like when you do that and you can curl your fingers over, it kind of locks it in, and you've only got so far to go. Yeah, and when you shoot them enough it don't even take very long you'll develop calluses right there at the front of that knuckle because it's got pressure on there and you're holding that back and and uh, most of the people that shoot back tension are shooting a target style bow you know seven, 65 to 75 percent let off and you can shoot it higher let off it's not a problem but typically they're looking for a certain holding weight to get them to shoot and perform the best right um i like between 18 and 20 pounds that seems to be where i get the bow to hold the most stable uh, and a lot of people overlook that when they're shooting. They um, are focusing more on um, just the draw weight of the bow rather than the holding weight of the bow. Do you play with that at all on yours, or can you just tell by feel what it is and what you need? I just basically go by feel because, I mean, what a lot of people don't don't realize is each bow is different, right? I've, I've built two bows identical, measured everything, and and had them four pounds apart from each other and I shot one better than the other. So today or, uh, Sunday was the first time I've ever taken a skill to one of my bows in probably the last, I would say five years as far as figuring out what holding weight I actually had. What and were you? I was at 59 pounds and I had 16.7 pounds of holding weight. But then, because of your style of shooting, you're not executing at 16.9 pounds. No, I bet I'm I'm probably at full draw because I pull rip the axles off. I bet I'm probably close to like 28 or 30 pounds right. at full draw. So me holding like 18 to 20, that's what the bow holds before it breaks back over. So I'm probably at my 18 to 20, what I like. I'm probably in my mid-20s, maybe in my, I don't know if I'm up at the 27 30 pounds like you per se, but I bet I'm holding 25 to 27 pounds all day long to actually get it to execute the way I want and have it pulled with some tension pointing towards the dot. Right. Um, and uh, so a lot of people get confused on that because they think the holding weight is their actual execution weight and it's not the same. Um, and a good one to segue into that, uh, not to take away from the uh, back tension releases real quick, is the Evolution 2 from Carter. The reason why is cause that can be set to go off at a certain weight. So when you use a back tension, um, or not a back tension, but a uh, resistance activated release, uh, Carter makes a lot of good series in there. So there's other companies that do too, but like the evolution plus the huge thing about that is if your bow has a 16 pound holding weight, you can set it to go off at 22 pounds and it's not going to go off unless you get to 22 pounds somehow. Right. 
Um, and you talked about this uh, a while back. That was one of the releases that helped you get over Target Panic when you had it was because it forced you to not think about anything else except for to pull that thing hard enough to make it open up. Yeah, your, your only thought process when you're shooting a resistance activated release is to keep pulling. And there's, there's multiple different resistance out there. Um, Stan has one called the Element and uh, what was the one that you've got that the from Carter? No, you've got uh, the Perfex. Oh, so no, the Perfex is another one that that's a resistance activated from Stan. But personally, I like the Carter um, because I felt like it made you more consistent. People people would say that uh, you know that it changes from shot to shot. Well, so does a lot of other things. But for one, for me, I felt like it made me more consistent on my form because of how shallow that hook is it if you change your handle or your hand pressure at all it changes it can change the actual breaking weight a substantial amount so it i felt like the carter was the best one and forced me into making sure that every shot was more consistent i feel like i've tried to stay an element and i can have my hand any which direction and it still would activate where the evolution will not it, it will still activate you just have to pull harder so it's almost a a trial by fire type of thing you you just keep going and you know we, we've talked about tough lessons before i feel like that evolution is a tough lesson it's not the easy way out because it does force you into you know making a better shot and being more consistent every time. Well, and it teaches you not to be afraid to, to keep the bow at full draw and to keep the pressure on. That's, that's a nice thing about it too. So we, we see a lot of newer shooters that that's exactly their cup of tea, man. They need that because it teaches them, they, let, they draw it back, they pull their thumb, uh, they put their thumb on the, the button, and in this case that engage, or disengages the safety, and then all, at that point, all they have to do is pull. So. Uh, it's nice because it will go off even if it varied a pound or two. I'm not saying that can't make an impact different, but you're talking about somebody that's struggling keeping it in the yellow on a Vegas round. That will help them dramatically be more consistent. I've watched it happen to a lot of people that were shooting in the high 280s or the low 290s with their wrist style release, their index fingers fired release, and they go to their first uh, T-handle style release, and that it's what they chose and they climb up into the mid 290s and the 297 298 and they start knocking on the door pretty quick because they had never really shot with as much tension on the bat on their uh on the bow that they needed right um back tensions can teach that too um but they can make you pay more if you make a mistake uh so there's a there's a cause and effect of each of these as we um talk go back to rounding out there's Hinges almost all work the same. Everybody on the market that makes them claims theirs is the best, and I can't argue they're not, and there's going to be the best for somebody. You'll find what you like by having a few in your hand. So if you can get a couple of different ones in your hand, show up at a league night, a lot of the target shooters are shooting them, they'll put it in your hand. Uh, it's archery, so everybody's friendly to each other for the most part. It's a really small community. People want to see you successful too, um, in the spirit of competition, they're not afraid to show you something that's made them better because they want to share that information. 
So on our target league nights, we might have um, anywhere from 20 to 30 people in it. Uh, and if you showed up there, there's, you know, 20 people shooting 20 different things and set up 20 different ways. So you can always put something in your hand before you go spend the money on seeing what you might like. It's just really talking to that shop, seeing when their target league is, and then kind of saying, saying, can I show up there and just kind of watch and hang out? And then you can observe what people are using and, and ask them why, and they'll, they'll tell you why they're using it. Um, anything else to, to wrap up on? on the, the, like the back tensions and the, the resistance activated that you want to mention, Henry? No, I mean, my, my personal opinion on like the whole back tension thing is, is I, I feel like they get called back tensions and, and um, I, I see now more and more companies are swinging over to calling them hinge releases versus back tensions because I feel like a back tension is more of a resistance activated release. That one, you have to use back tension to get it to fire. There's no two ways around it. Now, a hinge release or, or what we used to call back tension, those ones, you can, you can stay back tension and keep pulling until you're, you pass out, but it's still never going to fire. So with that one, it, it is more of a hinge because something has to move. And so typically how those will fire is whether you increase tension on your, your middle finger and ring finger or you relax your index, something, some sort of movement has to happen or you're really taking your elbow and you're swinging it around just real wide. But to me, there's more body movement in that. And so I feel like there's a lot more inconsistencies because I imagine like even, even though you're, you're shifting your elbow, at some point in time, you're either relie or uh, relieving tension on your index or increasing tension on your, your middle and ring finger to help activate that because it takes a lot more movement in, in the swing of your elbow, I would say, to fire it than, than it does doing a combo of the both and, and allowing that release to actually hinge and, and move. Right. So take this into consideration as you're shooting this. There's, there's people that do different things to get them to shoot but it's that release changes angle to some degree to get it to fall apart that's you're looking for the sear to fall off of the other side of the hook and when that happens it's going to open up the hook and let the string go so uh, you can do that multiple ways now when somebody new is being taught a lot of times they are taught with what henry is describing you're saying okay take your elbow and you're going to act like you're rotating your your um shoulder blade and your scapula and it's going to squeeze it back and your elbows moving backwards but again these are so minute movements you may feel that tension building but you shouldn't see it if anybody can observe you and see that movement you're moving way too much uh, so you'll find what works best through a little trial and error the idea is is to pull tension on the string so that you can create a point because you've got to take some load off of your front shoulder you cannot hold your bow out and hold it on the dot if you don't have the string back Right. Why? Because you need some type of tension. So this bow needs more tension than maybe your back. And whatever causes that tension to occur is what creates that straight line and it minimizes the movement for a certain period of time. So it's like anybody that shoots rifle, they kind of know to, if they're shooting offhand um, or standing, they have to kind of pull the stock back into their shoulder a little bit and kind of take some weight off that front fore grip on or their front forehand on the grip. Um, because it will just wobble all over the place. And if they create a little backwards tension, 
it stabilizes for a few more seconds and that's kind of what a bow does but it's a constant need for the bow um, right and so it a lot of times it's a very simple thing but we overcomplicate it in the backside but the bow just gets more stable under a certain amount of tension for each individual stabilization comes into play the tension on the bow comes into play the let off of it all those things come into play yeah let off holding weight or mm -hmm. you know so pretty much holding weight uh peak weight all that stuff you know like you said and this is why now as we move into shooting thumb uh, we're going to talk about thumb triggers or thumb buttons as you hear them or t-handles you hear all kinds of different ways they're called um this is why a lot of people shoot the t-handles or the thumb triggers is because they can control that a little bit more there's not this fear of it's going to shoot when i'm drawing it back uh and because it's not going to fall apart when i get to a certain angle it's going to still stay together until i put enough pressure on a trigger some way um so on my thumb button i shoot a perfects it's a really really light thumb button trigger uh it can be set on like i mean you can literally hold it in your hand and get it set so light and I, mine is that you can shake it and it'll it'll trigger you just can't put your thumb on it while you're drawing you can't touch it while you're drawing that's any release on the market for archery it will shoot if you put too much pressure on the trigger <laughs> just like the hinge will go off if it gets to the wrong angle when you're drawing it back right uh, there's not safeties built into these like rifles are uh, there are some that have safeties that help you draw back and then you can click a button like the sweet spot um, is one of them from true uh, true ball uh, that's a really neat one to learn to shoot a back tension without fear of of shooting it on accident um, but there is one other movement that it causes that I, it distracts me is uh, being able to shoot the like a sweet spot pro flex it, it's got a little button at the end of where your thumb sits that when you're at full draw you can click that safety off it allows you to drop back at any angle you click the safety off and then it still will hinge and move the the same amount of distance that you have set it for um, thumb buttons aren't like that you squeeze them too much and it's going to shoot and so the best way to do it is kind of not have your thumb on the trigger or even near it wrap it around the release in front of the uh, behind the trigger uh, and then draw it back set your anchor with your thumb down and then lay your thumb on there and start your execution style right you shoot uh, thumb buttons too don't you every or like I, I get a wild hair about once a year just to remind myself why I don't shoot them. Now, <laughs> I have shot a couple tournaments with them. Um, last tournament I shot with a thumb button was back probably 2014 or 2015. I shot uh, the Dakota Classic podium there and then went and shot it at Reading just right after. And uh, haven't shot one since because I, I, I only honestly get so many good shots out of a thumb button until it starts going downhill now one one trigger or button that has me kind of intrigued is like that true ball goat because you can go back from a hinge to a button all in the same release it's you're literally just removing a pin i believe i haven't messed with one much i know we've got a couple in the shop and they're they're a really popular release but i think something like that might help me a little better because right now my even though they hit the same I've got a thumb trigger that they don't ever, they've never produced. Uh, it's just a prototype, and that's what I shoot because it's the only one that I can get light enough to shoot. Um, and it's called the Scott Ibex. And then I, I switch over to my True Ball uh, Fulcrum Flex for my hinge release. And, and I've, I've shot that 
I, I've tried the snaps from True Fire, and it felt really comfortable and was a really nice release. I just couldn't get it down as low as what I need to shoot a thumb trigger consistently and have it be reliable. And I think that's, you know, the thing with some of the thumb triggers is not that the quality's bad on them. It's just some of the sears won't allow you to get it down as fine as what most some people like to shoot it. And so every thumb trigger will shoot a heavy trigger. And it'll last forever shooting a heavy trigger. Uh, for me, I just have to find one that I can shoot a really light trigger. Because I, I, I just like everything really light. Like all my guns are set really light. All my triggers for my... Anything that I've got that's trigger based is all just set really hairpin triggers on everything because I feel like you know I've got pretty sensitive fingertips as far as you know what I'm able to feel and so and I'm sure you know because of your rifle background that's why you like a light trigger is because it's just for me it's more accurate I know for you I've, I've shot your thumb triggers and they're kind of almost set the same they're more accurate for you and and I feel like a lot of people that struggle with a thumb trigger are shooting them too heavy they're just it's comfortable for them and so they're too afraid to change right well and you got to have a good quality one if you're going to go to a really light one because the steel has to be real hard because those edges start to polish themselves and if it gets too soft of metal um, i'll give you an example i had a release a thumb button um, from a, a couple of years back and remember we were over at your place shooting and we were shooting like what was it 80 yards or something like that and i was shooting x10s and i was I, I go back and forth that day between my hinge and my button, and uh, I grabbed that button, and I hadn't got it fully set up yet. You know, I was still experimenting with how light I wanted it, and I wanted it kind of on the edge, but if you play on the edge of anything, you're going to get bit every once in a while. Um, so I was getting it as close to the edge as I could without it firing. I was shooting my target bow. It was only 60 pounds, and it was sleeting or snowing, and uh, we are standing in your driveway, and sure enough, I drew it back. I had never hit myself in the mouth until that day and that was two years ago i've been shooting buttons and hinges for over 20 years and, and i busted my mouth i wanted to throw it so bad i watched you do it twice that day i uh, know and i launched two x10s out in the middle of the field i never found again <laughs> i think a tractor found one yeah they're they're probably caught up in a tractor tire or something now <laughs> but but it'll happen so and i was uh so i sent it back to him because i knew something was wrong at that point because at first i thought maybe i touched it and i didn't mean to um so I did it again, and then I found out when I sent it back that that they rehardened the metal, and that made a huge difference. It's never had an incident since. So um, don't give up on it if you're going to do it. Just know that if you're going to play on the edge, the knife's edge there, every once in a while you're going to have to make those mistakes because you're trying to find something better. And that's kind of how perfect is achieved is you keep going until you don't shoot it as good as you did before, and then you go back to what was working better. Right. Um, so that goat, I know is a real popular one. I believe, uh, Nick, our, our general manager, he shoots that goat, uh, as well. Um, and he's got a blade pro flex too, that he really likes too. That's a, uh, true ball makes a ton of great ones. Carter makes a ton of great ones. Uh, moving to Carter, I have shot the, just because that's kind of what got me into, uh, thumb buttons was the, the, the Carter just because, and, it's obviously it's named after Dave Cousins. Uh, it was uh, my favorite one. I've uh, taken it hunting in Texas. I've killed what a, I've killed axis deer with it. I've killed turkey with it. I've um, I've shot animals with it, and it's a target release. 
but it, it's nice for me because it's got a clip on it so it can hang off of a D-loop after you cock it. I always shot those with a, the heavier spring because I needed a lot of tension uh, and I wrapped my thumb really deep around the trigger and I just try to act like it was a back tension release so I tried not to squeeze my thumb, I tried to wrap my whole thumb around it and it just created enough pressure and tension that it shot itself and that was a, a really nice one for me. Uh, out of the Carters, what's your, one of your favorite uh, thumb buttons if you were going to pick one? So I always shot the just because or uh, there for a little while I shot the hammer um, and and that one's a Tim Gillingham based one. It was kind of a different one because it put the I believe it put the D loop to the as far right as you could possibly get it. It was almost between the middle finger and the ring finger. If I remember correctly, I haven't looked at that release in, in gears, so I, I don't know. But I know it kicked it over, trying to get you a little bit more clearance on your face as far as where the, the, the string was, and it moved that that over quite a bit for me. Uh, really large forefinger. I shot it okay, but I really liked the ergonomics of the Just Because a lot better for me. And then I did play with the Ember a little bit. The problem with the Ember for me is it was really, really small. So it makes really good for, or it's really good for probably a, a female or a child that's got a small hand. I shot it for pop-ups because it was real convenient because it was just a hook. But I also had a struggle getting my my uh, loop on there because I got a pretty fat index finger. So I always kind of found myself going back to the Just Because or... I, I would play with just cause or the just because and typically would go back to the just because because of it having that bent a little bit more comfortable more ergonomical handle well and like you just described it was an open hook the ember was an open hook and it, it allowed you to hook up faster when you needed to for certain competitions when you only had a certain time window to sh execute a shot right so taking a just because or something that you have to aim to get around the loop and then you have to use your finger to close it or any other style like that, it's going to be a little harder to do. So most people that shoot those style pop-ups have hooks for that reason because they just need to swing it and hook it and draw it, not try to figure out if it's hooked or not. Exactly. A lot of guys that shoot those pop-ups are shooting wrist strap releases and I just never really kind of could get behind a wrist strap release because I never shot them good enough. And last couple of years that I shot pop-ups, I just shot my back tension and did way better than I did trying to shoot a thumb trigger anyway. So, Well, and that, that goes to talk about what you had just mentioned a, a minute ago is you only have, when you go to a button or a thumb release, you only have so many good shots in it you feel like. That's yep. why I shoot my back tension probably 90% of the year because it keeps me in check it won't let me get away with anything and then when i go to a wrist strap or i go to a button i can shoot them really well for a certain period of time but then you get lazy and then it's that's a good way to describe it you only got so many good shots in it before you kind of start getting lazy it's not like the release changes it's something in you change that changes and then it forces you to have to kind of correct it or start to suffer and score and start to suffer in your group size right in a back tension or a hinge keeps me in check more right and to this day i can honestly tell you i've never shot a 300 on a vegas face with a with a thumb trigger oh really it's just, it's just not possible that's that's and, funny because i shot my I, I bet i shot 
I bet my first 30 or 40 300s were with the just because because that's the only thing I would shoot at the time because I was scared to death of back tension and then I learned back tension and and kind of excelled in X count and stuff like that as I oh no I, I get some weird massive left and rights like I'm talking eight ring to eight ring just like random arrows it feels like they broke in the middle and clearly they don't hit in the middle and so I I gave up on ever trying to thumb trigger indoors and now I just strictly shoot a hinge and then every once in a while like I've shot the Dakota classic with a thumb trigger I've shot uh Redding one year with a thumb trigger. I do better with a hinge at Redding, and I've always shot Redding with a hinge, but just wanted to try a thumb trigger one year because I thought that that was going to be the ticket to me winning, and it wasn't. So so problem solved next league night for us is uh, I will get, bring a thumb button, and you have to shoot that against us so uh, <laughs> and but we'll wait until after the Rushmore Rumble because uh, you probably won't you want to go into that with a little bit of confidence if you're going eight ring bit. to eight ring you're gonna probably struggle that night that that stuff doesn't bother me I, I I've gone into Vegas one year and I've only shot like a handful of 300s and then made the shoot off out of my out of surprise to me and I'm sure to multiple people that were down watching watching me shoot leagues and watching me struggle so I, I don't feel like going into a shoot comp with confidence really hurts or, or helps me. Because, like, for instance, we went to, you know, me and one of our shop shooters went to the shoot in July that they had, and they had the indoor, what would have been the indoor nationals. And I hadn't, don't, I don't think that up leading up to that, I had shot collectively over. 80 arrows and we had to shoot a five spot which is 60 arrows in one round and then three spot the next so i was sore after the first day shooting a five spot round because i don't think i had shot more than two or three games leading up to that shoot and i to my surprise i made that shoot off i mean I, honestly i wasn't expecting it and went pretty far into the shoot off and then finally because i had eight anything all day or anything like that i just ran out of gas the other thing is is i was shooting 27s for inside out scoring and everybody else was shooting x10s or 23 so so they had a little better game plan <laughs> my game plan was just i'll i'll try i i wasn't planning on making the shoot off I, i'll just i i was there for an attendance award pretty much and then i ended up making it and was caught with not having a normal backup plan so well let's talk about that real quick before we move on to in releases um you said you were there for an attendance award but it's really more than that you say that you know kind of but what happens is this uh, you know to keep yourself at the highest level you need to show up at the highest level events right and so so it's sometimes overlooked as is you know when you talk to a lot of pros and you get to know them if you you get to know them uh they'll talk very very nonchalantly about some of the shoots they go to like it's just another shoot it's just another shoot and it, they want it to be just another shoot but then the reason why is it keeps them at a high level they don't feel that crazy pressure although it pushes them at a in a different way than um some of the high pressure shoots causes people to collapse so sometimes when people only shoot their local leagues and the first time they go to a state shoot they freak out it's because they don't go to enough state shoots or they don't right. go to enough regional shoots or enough national shoots. So that state shoot feels like it's their, the biggest competition they've ever shot. Right. And so somebody like you that goes to a ton of national shoots can go to a state shoot and, 
and you feel the right amount of pressure, that right amount of, uh, you know. You know what's crazy is I won a national shoot before I ever won a state shoot in the adult class, especially like in Utah. In Utah, I mean, some of those state shoots, and I know many pros can attest to this as much as I can. If you're in Montana, Washington, or Montana, Idaho, or Utah, you're pretty much hosed ever winning a state shoot because between those three states, you're dealing with Tim Gillingham, Logan Wild, Rio Wild, uh, Chris Schaff, Josh Schaff, who shot, it has always been a phenomenal shooter. I've never watched a guy shoot more X's in my life than Chris Schaff's older brother. He just struggles. Then you got Kyle Douglas, um, you know, who, who's come up quite a bit. And so within those states, you've got, it, you know, now you got Steve Anderson and some of these other guys, and and, and just between those three states, it it's crazy the amount of of like what it takes to win a state shoot. You go to like the, a tournament called the Spots and Flakes, and all those guys will be there. It's like literally having Vegas in Utah, and it it takes the same scores, if not higher, to win that tournament than it does Vegas, just because the the amount of competitiveness that there is there so um yeah it, it is honestly easier for me to get a podium and win a, a big shoot than it was for me to win a state shoot in my division because uh a lot of those guys will turn it on more at a state shoot and it's just like holy cow you know like they got they, something to prove <laughs> they were on a whole nother level and then i go to a a, a uh big national shoot and i would shoot better because i knew i needed to be on a whole nother level so it, it's kind of one of those things that i've always done things backwards and so now coming up here you know living up here i see a different aspect of archery and you know there a lot of guys strive to be a pro shooter here a lot of guys strive to be the top amateur shooter and so the the whole mindset's kind of a little different here and so, you know, it, it's kind of weird aspect living up here, but, you know, there, there's still a lot of get good shooters. Like I went to a shoot a couple weekends ago at a competitor archery shop and I got beat out in the finals by a 13 year old kid. And I've never seen a 13 year old kid shoot as many 30 X's as this kid is. Yeah, that, he's on another level. We're talking about uh, Bodie Turner. And so he's, he's a, one to keep an eye out for because he is... Uh, at gosh i have never seen anybody at his age shoot the way he has under pressure under shoots not like in the backyard and just posting stuff up like anybody can of course he can do that but i'm talking about in pressure situations and the pressure cooker of that shoot up format he can perform yeah um, and so what's going to happen when he turns 18 uh, we're going to interview him i'm sure but uh, but what's going to happen when he turns 18 who knows? <laughs> Who knows? He'll he'll be forced to move up eventually in right. pro class. But like I I shot a twenty seven X to qualify, and I'm like, man, I'm sitting pretty good. I got a pretty good chance of, of being first. And he he comes in and shoots and walks off the line with a twenty nine X, and I'm like, holy cow! You yeah, know, no. <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking about shooting bows at thirteen years old, let alone trying to shoot a three hundred. I mean, I I don't think I shot a three hundred until I was like probably. 18 or 19 years old and but i started when i was like 14 almost 15 so it's like i got a pretty late start as far as him 
and he started when he was like three years old. So, right. Well, and I did. I started late. Um, I was still pretty young, but I started like in my late twenties for shooting competition because I never had the means or the money to to do it to begin with, and I was in the military, so I was traveling too much and everything too. But, um, but now I'm 48, so I think uh, I, I was watching. Bodie shoot a bunch of 30 X's and 29 X's and everything. And I sent him a text and I was like, I was like, just enjoy it now. I was like, I'm glad I'm going to turn 50 in a couple of years. So by the time you are close to adulthood, I don't have to compete against you as much. <laughs> so he's just going to be a reckoning. Um, so, all right. All that distraction, because it's easy to get there, we're talking about releases. But this is important to talk about who's doing what with what and how it gets you there. Um, so there's a lot of good shooters. Like um, we have a really good shooter in our area. His name's Kai. Um, he shoots a button. He shoots a perfect from Stan. And he shoots it as good as anybody I've ever seen. He He's one of the dominant shooters in the Northwest, too. Uh, he just went, didn't he just go pro? I think he just signed up yesterday or something yeah. like that. Well, we joked about it. We give him a hard time. So all these amateurs that should be shooting pro, I'll, I don't mind giving them a hard time because I want to see them out there competing and taking it to the next level. That, that's only doing them good and, and then the sport good, especially, and the Northwest good, you know. Uh, so he's one of them that can do it. Um, it's nice because I think last night you guys were in a shoot-off for the finals and that, and, and neither of you missed an X. Uh, or you may have missed one X. We, we both missed one. Okay, in the six arrow, you both missed one X. So uh, the way we were playing that game is that it, uh, you both had 50s instead of 60s because your Xs were 10s. And then it was one arrow close to the center, and you beat Kai by about a quarter of a shaft. So you shot an inside out or just barely, barely touched it. It was barely touching the 10 ring the or, X or the X ring, and he, uh, he was almost touching the 10 ring. Yeah, so um, – but nobody's giving up anything uh, is what's nice. And keeping that pressure on each other is how you're going to excel. And so you're shooting a hinge, he's shooting a button. Um, you're both at um, the top level uh, of shooting. And it just goes to show you that there's not one way to do it right. Now, if you switched and you shot a button and he shot a hinge, you might not even shoot. You'd be in shooting the mid 290s. <laughs> he, he'd still beat me because I've watched him shoot some 300s with a hinge, so I know he can do it. And you've never shot one with a button yet. I've never shot one with a button yet. <laughs> now, one thing, you know, talking about Kai, we were talking about that whole movement thing and, and activate and releases and stuff. I've never seen somebody in my life physically move so much to, to activate a shot <laughs> yeah he gets set up and he starts super crunched you'd swear that his draw length's about two inches too short at least two inches and, too short. and then he gets his elbow from being cocked three targets over to right behind him and then all of a sudden it fires and i've never seen somebody have at least three and a half inches of elbow movement to get a shot to I know. fire we joke about it but it works and he can i mean why why would he change it until it don't? And I mean, of course, he's he's literally got the worst form out of anybody I've seen, and he knows it. And I've never seen somebody have that bad of form. His follow through is great, but I've never seen on the back half. I've never seen somebody have that bad of form, that wild of a shot as far as moving three three well, inches. You're, you're not far and, off in that category, and <laughs> and still hit thirty X's. Mine, mine's all on the front half, and well, I know it. You guys but it never fires. Out. It never fires in the middle. I can't shoot uh, if I'm right-handed shooter. I have to shoot. It's hard for me to shoot 
just with Henry or Kai uh, or a couple other guys right in front of me. They give me target panic. They have so much bow movement at the shot. They just freak out, you know. Uh, and so it, I'll be at full draw, and I'll see stabilizers swing into my sight and everything else. And, and they don't mean to do it, but it's funny. And we never let up on each other. But the shots go in the middle. Of course, the shot's way gone before they do that that movement. But uh, we all do these these funky things. I guess my form probably looks perfect, but I'm not shooting perfect. <laughs> right. So if, my, if I'm shooting wrong, it looks like I was shooting right if you never go down and look at the target. <laughs> um, so um, if anybody has any specific releases they want us to talk about, uh, B3 has the Ghost, but they knew ha they have this Ghost BG, which is the Braden... Uh, the, the new Braden's release. He's got it in brass and he's got, they've got it in a classic white. And the kicker on that is it's got this extra uh, attachment that goes onto the third finger so it can feel like a fourth finger and you can change the angle of that fourth finger too. And I assume that uh, Braden shoots it as a, with the brass. Um, maybe he shoots the other, but a lot of pros like those brass when they can get it in their hands. Same reason I like the brass too. Yep, and, and Braden's one of those guys. I've known Braden for a long time now and have shot against him, traveled with him, and all sorts of stuff. And, and he is one of the guy, the few guys that I know that can shoot a four-finger really well. Him and, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank, but, oh, Chance Bobeth. So those two are the only two that I know that, that shoot a four-finger really consistent time after time after time. And... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's shooting the brass. I know he used to shoot the uh, the black hole from Scott. It, it was kind of a shoot through your your finger. Your index had a full hole around it, and then uh, it was on a bearing system, wasn't it? No, that was it? that was the uh, the backspin. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I I remember those two now. And so the black hole was a little different, similar to the backspin. But he shot that in a four finger configuration almost as long as I've known the guy. And I don't think he's, I mean, he, he's obviously had multiples of them, but I mean, it still looked like he was shooting the same one from when I first met him to, to last time I seen him shooting. And, and, but you know, if he's behind a, a new release, you know, it's going to be pretty good because that's a guy that doesn't change just to change. And I know he's kind of doing some things with B3 and helping him out with, with some of their stuff. And so, you know, that, that's got to be a pretty decent, decent release. So going back into everything, there's way too many releases to go into every single little detail about every single companies. They've literally, each company typically has dozens of releases, either in hand style, button styles, uh, or anything like that. One that we haven't talked about that is one of my favorite ones. Um, especially in the hunting world is, and there are a few good hunting ones out there, but I'm really picky when it comes to my hunting ones for target or for, uh, T handles is uh, spot hog. They have the whippersnapper and they have four configurations of that. They have an open and closed jaws and they also have a three and a four finger. And, um, we sell a lot of the four fingers because it helps people get back and feel like they have a hand grip on when they're pulling it at hunting weight at that 65, 70 pounds, and now 75 pounds. Um, I've shot the whippersnapper for a long time. It's a, a great release. I like the open hook because I like to be able to hook up to the string fast. The disadvantage to open hook is you can't let it dangle off of the D-loop because it's going to fall off. It has to be something that you keep tension on it. 
the closed jaws allow you to hook onto the string and then let it go if you're in a ground blind or in a tree stand and then just let it hang there until that opportunity comes and then you can pick it up and shoot it. I started shooting it as a target release to see if I my score would go down if I shot what I considered a really good hunting release and it stayed the same regardless of, <clears throat> of whether I shot um, thumb button, uh, a target version or the other. Um, so I know Spothog makes a ton of good releases too. The Wise Guy uh, is my hunting release. Um, I can shoot the Wise Guy really good when I've practiced with my back tension. But again, it goes back to what we talk about. I only have so many good shots with it because I, I break down my form and I have bad habits. What's your favorite um, command releases? We nickname them the, the trigger releases that go on your wrist, the wrist strap. So the one that I've got for hunting and I've had it for a long time is the Scott Little Goose. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had mine for years. I just haven't found one that's as comfortable for me. And I, I like a loose strap. I don't like a hard mount. So, you know, a lot of companies will have either a rigid mount and it's just metal all the way to the release and it's just a, a stiff fixture. Or some of them have a nylon that run the length. I like the nylon because I can tuck it back in and, and it's just out of the way. Um, but that's just kind of the one personal one that I, I've always liked. Um, but there are a lot of lot of good index triggers out there. And we'll get into that on another podcast in the spring when we start talking about good uh, hunting setups and wrist strap releases because they have a, a whole series of them also like the Keaton, the Tough Guy um, as well. Uh, they also have, uh, Spot Hog has the Friday Night Delight and the Saturday Night Special. Uh, the difference being the Friday Night Delight is an open hook and the Saturday Night Special is a closed hook. Um, I don't shoot those, per, or I haven't shot those uh, very much at all, so I couldn't give you a lot of feedback on that. But I can tell you if you're looking for a great, quiet hunting release that acts like a target release, the Whippersnapper would be one to try. Uh, it when you it actuates the gate actuates with your moving the your thumb forward or back and it will let you reset it with your thumb button and then uh, it'll close around or lock lock the jaw back closed around the loop if you uh, are shooting a closed jaw and so that's pretty nice and it's quiet you can make it actuate really quiet it doesn't have the clicks and pops like a heavy spring target release does uh, one of the uh, better parts about it too is is for that quality it's it's almost unmatched for the quality at around the $110 range, you know, to $120 range. It's not an expensive release considering wrist straps cost that much or a little bit more too um, to have something that you can shoot and try for a thumb button on the 3D course and and if you feel comfortable, take it hunting too. Right, yeah. All the spot hogs for thumb triggers are pretty economical as far as you know what you're getting for the bang for the buck so the whippersnapper again you're looking at 110 to 120 bucks the friday night delights and the saturday night specials you're looking at about 120 to 130 dollars on those and you're not going to get a high quality thumb trigger for around that most of them are going to be 150 to 100 to if you look at the uh the goat I, I think the goat's like $250, if I remember right, or 280 or something, you know, somewhere in there. So so the fact that the spot hogs are coming in right at that around the $100 range are pretty good just for the economical side of things. Yeah. Um, so, Henry, as we kind of um, 
wrap up, what if there's anything that you're going to tell somebody that's just starting out or um, – what would you mention to them about what you would recommend from the start, like whether they shoot back tension or thumbs? Uh, people come in often talking about back tension, but then when you describe it to them, they shy away from it. Are we describing it wrong, or is it just that reality of I'm afraid I'm going to do something wrong and shoot an arrow? What I see with a lot of people, and and again, we got a shop shooter that kind of falls into that, that same spectrum, that they're afraid that they're going to do something wrong and launch an arrow. And I think that that's pretty normal for the first-time shooter shooting a back tension. So I think that's where that Sweet Spot Pro, and this particular guy bought a Sweet Spot Pro right after that because he felt comfortable because it has a safety. I I don't think that they're as accurate, or they can be. Now, I know Chris Perkins shot one for years and shot world records with it, but that guy's on a whole nother level than a lot of people. Um I think it's a good avenue to get in, but I think if you're going to get into a back tension and feel comfortable, you almost want a resistance activated or a true back tension before getting into that, just so that you get used to that style of release and things, and then you're not worried about the click, and you're not worried about this, you're not worried about that. You can just get into that same motion that you almost need to activate a hinge style release. Yeah, well, and so there are people that... Each company tends to make something with a safety. The two that kind of dominate right now are the sweet spot um, from True Fire or True Ball, rather. And then you've got the Honey from Carter, and it's got a safety built into it as well. So those are two different companies that make uh, their own version of it with this built-in safety. And the cool thing about that is if you are trying to get into back tension and you're really trying to learn it, but and you're you're committed to it, but you need some kind of feature that's going to help you safety-wise those can uh, save a lot of lost arrows or a lot of shot out lights, you know, in ranges because um, <laughs> we've lost our fair share of lights and, and it, it's not fun to stop everybody and sweep up everything and then have somebody embarrassed because they shot a light when they shouldn't even be pointing to bro up there anyway, but there's a lot going on in somebody's mind. So we get it. Um, so if you're going to put somebody in a hinge, for me, it's easy to recommend my Morex. I keep one set. I keep. I have two. I keep one set heavier, so I loan that one to someone that wants to try the stand ergonomics. I wouldn't put them in mine because it's not going to do them any favors. Just like you wouldn't put them in yours. Right. What would you recommend if you were going to put somebody in a back tension or a hinge release uh, right now? I, I like that true ball that I'm shooting uh, as far as comfortability and stuff like that. And so again, I do have one. I've got a large one that's in my quiver that's set fairly heavy that other people have tried just to kind of get a feel for the ergonomics. Um, other than that, I mean, there there's a bunch of good releases out there, so there's not one particular one that I would say you got to go out and try. I mean, I started out with a Carter A-Tension, which is just a pretty simple release. Uh, honestly, I'd probably still be shooting it if I knew where it was. It's just one of those, I I lost it, and I don't know, or I probably loaned it out, honestly. I bet I've got 30 releases loaned out to random people that I have no clue where they're at. You and me too, brother. (laughs) Yeah, and it's easy to do when you've got a collection and people, you know, I I used to buy one or two new releases every year just to try to figure out if I could get just that, find that next best thing, and again – the release wasn't that next best thing. It was just more time on the range, and 
making adjustments to me, not my equipment. But I, I like the Carter A tension just out of the simplicity of it, the comfort of it. It's it's just a really good, reliable release. I never had any problems with it. I like the true balls that I'm shooting now. Again, good, reliable releases. I've messed around with the stands a little bit, but not enough to have a personal opinion on them. But again, they've been around for a really long time, and a lot of people are loving them. So I, I feel like they're a really good avenue. And then the B3s and the Scots are pretty similar as far as functionality-wise and how they look. I think both of those you could go, you know, there'd be no problems with either one of those as well. So yeah, um, the best is to try to find what your local dealer has and see, try what they have. And, and most shops, it, if the shops carry those style releases, they're more than, most of the time, they're more than willing to help adjust them to get them to feel good for you. Yeah. And, uh, well, when I stopped, um, when I was shooting the just because, the cool thing about that is, is I was trying to get in the back tension and I was scared of them because I know that uh, there's some consequences. This is years and years ago now. I went to a Longhorn from Scott and I really loved that. It was the aluminum version at the, the time. And, it, um, you know, you struggle with it up front because that's the purpose. It's, it exposes your, all your flaws. So you struggle with it a little bit. I got past that. I started shooting it really well. And then I started shooting it indoors in the winter but I wouldn't shoot it outdoors ex except for when I was shooting flat shoots, uh, you know, on flat ground because I, you know, I took it to some shoots that had elevation and I struggled with it because I didn't, I didn't do things consistently shooting up or downhill yet at the time. And it, I would keep it and I throw it right back in my bag and I would get my thumb button out and I'd finish the shoot and feel more confident because I could control the, the thumb button a little bit more. Right. That's why a lot of people shoot thumb buttons, I think, outdoors anyways is because they can control it a little bit more. Well, and I think that, that something like that could be another podcast that we do because the thing is is there's there's a know when to change and know when not to change, right? And I think a lot of people get that confused. Is a lot of people will go, Hey, I just bought this new hinge release. I haven't shot it in practice. I know it's set pretty close. I'm gonna go shoot it at league tonight. Well, if your goal is to shoot the best that you've ever shot and go to league shooting something new like a, a hinge that you've never shot and you've only shot a thumb trigger, probably not the time or the place to do it because odds are you'll probably never shoot that release again because you're going to shoot the worst score you ever shot. And it, we see it at our leagues all the time. Every week somebody wants to try something new and it's not that equipment's fault. They don't give it a fair chance. They just automatically assume that it's not for them because they chose the wrong time in the wrong place to do it when realistically you need to go to the local range on a Saturday, a Friday, whenever, try it out, shoot it, get familiar with it. Leagues, tournaments, things like that are not the time and the place. Same with outdoors. You know, you, I, I don't necessarily make a whole lot of changes during the outdoor season. I'll get something and get familiarized with it because you know, it, it just, for me, it gets a lot better that way. Yeah, and so that being said, uh, one of the things that I do change, I shoot my back tension probably 90 plus percent of the time. Um, I hunt with a finger style release or a cal, uh, uh, I shoot with the wise guy for hunting. 
But when I go on the mountain challenges in, uh, in Northwest, there's, uh, you know, the Northwest Mountain Challenge, I take a shoot-off from Stan. It's a brass version of it, too. Um, I like it. And when you're up on the mountains, you know, at the uh, ski resorts in the July, uh, you know, June and July, uh, there's a lot of wind. And, you know, sometimes it can snow, it can do anything, but uh, there's a lot of wind when you get up there in certain times of day. So I feel like I have a little bit more control when I'm shooting the thumb. I try to still shoot it with a lot of tension and, and wrap my thumb around the post and uh, pull on it like I would my back tension release. So I keep it set up ergonomically, feeling the same. Uh, but in those bad, I can't hold because it's so unstable ground or the wind blowing 30 miles an hour switching. Uh, I feel like I have a little bit more control of that when I'm shooting 3Ds. That doesn't mean I wouldn't want to shoot back tension when I'm doing it, but it would be the day. So when I wake up that day, I want to go up on a mountain when I know it's a controlled environment and shoot my back tension, but I end up shooting the button more when it's windy or it has the potential to be a lot more windy so I stay consistent. Um, so um, when you shoot like a mountain challenge or something like that in heavy heavy wind or you shoot in some type of FIDA qualifier or something in heavy wind, um, do you shoot back tension the whole time or do you ever switch to a button just because? Usually I, I stick with what I started with. Every once in a while if, if it's getting real wild I will, I will switch to a thump trigger in the middle if I'm bouncing from target to target. But usually if the wind's only kicking me from, from edge to edge, then a lot of times I'll just end up staying with it and just pulling a whole lot harder than what I'm normally pulling. Uh, but for the most part, I like to, I like to stick with everything. Uh, you know, perfect example is the indoor shoot I went to a while ago. I mean, and I'm talking years ago, it was the Dakota Classic, and I shot a thumb trigger to qualify, and I made it to the finals, and I was nervous about actually shooting a thumb trigger in the finals, because for one, I'd never made it that far with a thumb trigger, let alone that many shots without punching, and so I was, I was like more nervous about that than anything, and I asked Logan Wild if I should switch just as kind of a just a verification and and he's like no you need to shoot what you've shot the entire day and i did it worked out great for me because i won that shoot off against Braden and, and and another shooter bridger but that was the first time i ever got a podium finish with a thumb trigger and i was i was ecstatic because i, I just knew that I, I don't shoot them normally that good so um that's that that was kind of the one instance for that but a lot of times like outdoor nationals and things like that if i'm shooting them i will try to switch or, or not switch but stay as as long as i can gotcha well and that only makes sense uh, so but you, if you don't know what you need stop into whatever shop that you live by and uh see if they've got a decent selection and then try a couple of different things uh, most people generally feel and a little bit more control and a little bit more comfortable with a button or a thumb trigger to start with but to get to the next level you'll usually end up having both somewhere along the line and uh, some people migrate away from the thumb buttons at some point like you have for the most part and shoot it the whole time i'll use mine because i don't still feel super confident on the mountains with a back tension or in heavy wind with a back tension right um, and it's because i the way i pull on the it versus the way you might shoot it you might have a little bit more control over yours so 
uh, get out there and shoot something is the key and decide if you're going to try to use it for 3Ds or for outdoor target or for indoor target and it might help you decide what you need. Um, your local leagues, again, uh, there's usually enough people there that you can interchange those and you could try somebody something and um, they might not want you to change the settings, but you can get a feel for what the release is like and you can try to pull it back and most people will let you shoot it with a little bit of instruction, just like any shop will let you typically test fire their releases as, uh, without uh, any consequence too. Matter of fact, we'd start people out on um, the Saunders, it's uh, the cable, I can't remember the name of that. A little device it's like a no fire it's so you can test fire releases without having to pull it back on a bow that's been um, great for us to put people in back tension and teach them how to draw a bow back with back tension before they actually draw a bow back with it um, anything else that you want to mention no I think we're good on this week um, if you guys want anything or want us to talk about anything special be sure to send us a message on either the Instagram or Facebook page. They're both just Archery World Pro Shop. Uh, next week, we will have Cave Johnson from Spot Hog here talking to us. Uh, we enjoy you guys listening, and be sure to give us a follow. Yep, and uh, we'll, until the next time, if you want to hear anybody, uh, another avenue to is joe at archeryworld.net. Um, if it's something lengthy that you want to talk about or have us explain in detail uh, before we get our YouTube channel up and going and kind of putting all this video with all these podcasts that we're doing, um, let us know. We'll try to work it in and uh, we'll try to interview people that you want to hear from as well.